wasn't it last year? It might have been the season before where his his uh, staff. I don't think it was him specifically, but it was his staff that was caught like spying on another team's training. Darby County on Frank yeah. Lampard's Darby County. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then like he was just like, yeah, fuck it. Like, of course we did that. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Where he, you would expect he just to owned be, like, it. Yeah. Either deny it or profusely apologize. He's like. Yeah. He's like, no, like, why isn't everyone trying to do this? Right, yeah. He's like, of course, he's like, of course we did. And he's, he's like just, Bill Belichick's lost cousin. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> like almost like the belt just without all the rings and championships, but like what can I be you? What can I be you? Why can I be you? No, no, that would not. No. Well, let's hope that that doesn't happen. <laughs> we can keep this short and sweet. I have no idea why. Like the whole day I've just been like. Yeah. Dwight. keep working up in a way, it's because I have the Europa League final on. You know what? I, I realized we were going to be recording in the middle of that. I was like, ah, oh, shit. And then, of course, it seems like it's a belter right now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm going to probably. Was bonkers. Yeah. And I'm going to, I watched some of it, but I had to get some other shit done. So, I'm like, all right, let me. Let me try and keep an eye on it. This we're just going to kind of do a quick brief overview of the three teams coming up. You just want to do a recap of I only saw the highlights. I didn't get to watch it. I know you guys watched it and it was incredible, but I didn't get to watch um City go down. <laughs> oh yeah. I would have yeah, yeah. loved to watch that. Oh my god. Oh. Um but I also know fixtures came out and Mm-hmm. Yes, that is so important. And I also wanted to touch base if you've ever thought of or have played fantasy. We don't have to talk about it, but um, people might want to get into it. I don't know. Just to right. learn, just to learn yeah. players and how that how that all goes down. I know I didn't really prep you for it, but the fixtures, how, how many games, two or four games got postponed? Is it? Two games postponed for United and City, I think. Is that it? I think so. Yeah, they I don't got think a, it ended up affecting Wolves. They got a nice assist from the FA, which is interesting because uh, Liverpool doesn't ever seem to get one like they didn't last year when all that fixture congestion was going on because we had, had the audacity to win the Champions League the, the right. season before and then they have to go. <laughs> two games in 22 hours. <laughs> yeah, and then people still pissing We're going to start sounding like Zaw in a minute with all these yeah. games in a matter yeah. of time. <laughs> but it's just, it's just funny how they bitched about how, you know, their seasons were extended because of all this. And then suddenly it's like, all oh, right, yeah, okay. So we'll, we'll give you a break and let you come back a little bit later. Although, you know, there is the argument too, that they're just going to have other, you know, it's just their fixture congestion is going to be a little bit later because they're going to have to play those games. Yeah. yeah right. So the, the, the interesting wrinkle for me is how it affects, you know, the clubs that they were playing. Cause yeah. like those clubs that they were playing didn't ask for this you right. know, delayed fixture congestion. Sure. So we're bending over backwards to help the Manchester clubs. Meanwhile, Burnley or whoever is getting screwed. Right. right. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of bullshit. Yeah. I mean, there's, because there's no perfect answer, I guess. But yeah. There isn't. There's always two sides of the argument, but what are you going to do? I'm very happy, and I know that we kind of jumped into this, and we're talking about fixtures, which is more or less the schedule. Um, it always threw me because I thought it actually meant 
they were like fixed and then the schedule is ever moving and ever changing and if you're yes, yeah. if you want to follow along with us throughout the season we might say something and then you know two days later there there might be a difference um a change in schedule so it yeah. really doesn't actually mean I can, I've mentioned this before. I don't know if I've mentioned it on a, I don't know if I've mentioned it on a pod, but I know I've mentioned it discussing fixtures when, you know, there is an aspect of if we were living over there and had the uh, luxury of being able to go to the games, how frustrating it would be when they do change a fixture date or, you know, because people make plans, especially if you're planning on going away to a game and you book a hotel or you, or any, you you figure out transportation, get that sorted. And, and then they change the time because that a lot of times they won't change the date, but a lot of times the fixture list comes out, people start making arrangements and then they'll change the time for TV stuff. And that could be wildly frustrating. I would imagine. Yeah. And I think, you know, if it were, if it were me going to a match, like it's one thing if a match is rearranged because of fixture congestion, but yeah. when it's purely because, you know, Sky Sports says they want to play this game at a different yeah. time. That's so that's a little frustrating. Yeah. It's and sort I of know- like the flex like with the NFL, exactly. they decide yeah. to like, oh no, we're gonna highlight this, or ah, no, nah, this this team's like totally trash. We thought <laughs> we might want to do something, but you can just have that four a four fifteen right. start. Yeah, yeah. I always just love whenever it's the fixture. I, you know what? I didn't even look to see if that was the case this year, Brett. You might have. Um, but I love how it's always been like, oh no, it's computer generated and completely random. But yet a lot of the Darby's seem to always fall on the same weekend to have, and yeah. then they make it a big thing. And I'm like, mm, yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. It was random. Sure. Yeah, it well, was. You, it used to be the computer was Sir Alex Ferguson in a box somewhere. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. That, you know, but it has to be said that, you know, from, a. Um, obviously red tinted glasses and Liverpool standpoint that um, <laughs> I, I am enjoying kind of how they've fallen because really the only difficult one on paper in terms of the games that we have right after our Champions League game is City away, um, which obviously that for both clubs, it's a difficult one to have right after a Champions League game. So we'll both have to deal with it. Right. But as far as who we got, um, I mean, I didn't write them down, but I know that we have leads. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so excited. Yeah. I don't That's know why, but I'm so talking about promoting so, clubs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I am so happy about this because I know they hate each other. And I'm just so happy to yeah. have like a new, like an old but fresh, you know. Like, the James Milner and Darby. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it has to be said that um, Leeds and Liverpool do go back and they have some animosity, but there is not, it's not even close to the level of hatred that uh, exists between Leeds and Man United. Yeah. Oh, Leeds hasn't been around. <laughs> yeah. But it's like historically, even they just can't fucking stand each other. And it's gorgeous. It's, it's absolutely glorious. Yeah. I love it's it. Great to have um, another match where Man United are just going to have people try and kick them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yep, yep. They do have that wool chant, um, stand up if you hate Man United, which the Leeds have tried to get going over the years w- when they play Liverpool. And it's a little it's a little bit like eh. But um, well, listen, we hate both of you. But. Yeah, like we're not fond of either of you guys, but um but yeah, I mean if if held at uh knife point um or gunpoint and somebody says you have to pick one to hate more, I mean obviously I'm gonna hate Man United more than I hate Leeds. Right. Yeah. Um, you always hate I, your big brother more than your kid brother. Yeah, you know what I mean? And and I have a little bit of animosity, but it's it's fun animosity because my dentist, he's South African, but he's a huge, huge lead supporter. Uh, and I haven't had the opportunity to, to talk to him since they got promoted. But when I, the last time I saw him, it was pretty obvious that they were going to. 
Um, mm-hmm. you know, it was looking like they were going to get the, uh, all the, uh, what do you call it? The automatic promotion. So we had a nice mm-hmm. chat about that. So I can only imagine how excited he is because oh, it's yeah. their first time up in the, in the Premier League since 2004. So yeah. it's been, it's been a while. Well, and I think like all three teams that are coming up from the championship are interesting because they all come with a bit of, you know, Premier League history and, you know, Premier League credibility. I was looking and so there's 13 clubs that have won all three English domestic trophies. So 13 clubs that have won the league, the FA Cup and the League Cup. Right. Two of those are Leeds and West Brom. Yep. So what it means is 10... So 10 out of those 13 clubs will be in the Premier League next season. So, you know, while Leeds hasn't been around in a while, West Brom hasn't been around in a couple of years, they're historically big clubs with huge fan bases, um, you know, with a pedigree pedigree at the top of the English game. Yep. Yeah, I I know that I jotted down, like, some of the stuff that I had jotted down was, like, how many seasons in the top flight these three clubs have had in Fulham. Mm Fulham actually doesn't have quite as much. Uh, I was actually a little surprised. It's all recent, really. For the most part, yeah. And then back in like the 60s. So this upcoming season is only going to be their 28th season in their history in the top flight. Yeah. Um, so that was, and they just obviously were, were there a couple of seasons ago when they got relegated in the 18, 19 season. And then they did that thing where, cause that's always the scary part. And that's what the three teams that were uh, most recently relegated are going to have to worry about is their ability to bounce straight back up because it is so difficult because of how much of a grindhouse uh, the second level in, in English football is. So mm-hmm. the fact that Fulham were able to, for the most part, keep a lot of their good players that they had in that season, they're relegated. Um, and then bounce straight back up. That's huge. And, and they lost Ryan Sessegnon, which is one of their better players. He went to Tottenham, and they were, but they were still able to bounce straight back up, which, again, is – and they had to do it via the playoff system. So yeah. the, the fact that they got through that, um, you know, is, is huge for them, especially, of course, financially. But Exactly. And when it's a huge financial gamble to go down to the championship and keep this big wage bill, because yeah. if you don't come straight back up, then you're really in financial trouble. Yeah, like Leeds. Exactly. What Leeds just went, you know, for, you know, for people who might not know, like who are pretty new to the game, round about, you know, like early 2000s, Leeds were, you know, finishing at a high level in the Premier League and took out loans, essentially betting on themselves to qualify for the Champions League and yeah. then didn't and couldn't pay it back. Had to sell other players, went down to the Championship, had to sell more players, and eventually went down to League One, the third tier. Yeah, um, it's been a long journey for them to get back. Yeah, they were in League One for a little bit. Like I think what I have it written down here was like 2007 to 2010. Yeah. Um, they were down in the third division. So yeah, or League One. This um, is like such a, a simple <laughs> and stupid example. But have you ever had to play shoots and ladders with a kid? Like in the last, like <laughs> for like recently and any of your like in adulthood and you think you're kicking this kid's ass and then all of a sudden you hit and you slide all the way down you're like what the fuck just happened to me that's what happened to leads that (laughs) shoot was a couple of bad loans on on the lead boards pretty much so if you don't understand it that's literally what happened to them and Pretty oh, much yeah. everyone can understand. It had, had ripple effects too, because who knows if if they would have been able to qualify for Champions League and then keep their uh, finances in order, they might 
not ahead to sell Rio Ferdinand, uh, who in his time was one of the better defenders, English yeah. defenders. And they sold him for a big fee to Manchester United. And he obviously went over there to to win a bunch of trophies and was a part of a lot of title winning sides. And, you know, so and, and that sucks. And especially, like we said, there's so much animosity between Leeds and Man United fans. So the fact that Leeds, out of pretty much desperation, had to sell Rio Ferdinand to a club, to a big club for a big fee. But then, of course, it had to be them. Um, hard pill to swallow for all the Leeds fans. And yeah. then, like I said, the ripple effects, because he was the he was the rock in the in the center of their defense for years. Um, so that was unfortunate for Liverpool and other, you know, non-Man United fans to have to deal with, all because Leeds, you know, screwed up their finances royally. And, uh, you know, speaking of the wage bill stuff, like that's why it was so important for Aston Villa to stay up because they kind of, mm-hmm. I mean, not as drastic in taking out loans, but they had such a high wage bill and spent all this money on transfers when they came up last year. And then they barely scraped by staying in. Um, because if they would have went straight back down, who knows how many of these players, not just Jack Grealish, but a lot of their players would have had to get sold. Uh, well, and especially with everything down. going on with, with right. COVID too, right. you know, it's going to be hard for Premier League clubs, but it's going to be really hard for championship clubs. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting to see what's going to happen with like teams like Watford too. Um, you know, because I don't know how many of their, their, you know, good play, they do have good players like Sar and a few other guys that, you know, and- to, yeah, exactly. So, you know, and, um, who knows what they're going to, who did Dale a who plays over there too. So I don't know how they're going to be able to assume, keep those guys. You know, ex Barca player, he's got to be on big wages. Yeah. 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 So, um, but yeah, staying on leads, like, you know, like you said, uh, some of the interesting tidbits that I wrote down, like, I don't know who would be interested, but for, for, for newbies, I mean, somebody to keep an eye on is their Argentinian manager. He's definitely a firecracker, Marcelo Bielsa. So it's going to be interesting to see the type of football that they're able to play now that they're in the top flight. Uh, he has a, a very attractive way of playing. I just don't know how well they're going to, I mean, they could, I don't think they'll pull a Norwich and stick to their guns, but then just take L after L after L like Norwich yeah. did. I think Bielsa will demand and, and will change things around and just sometimes have to be like, listen, we're not going to be able to play with the way we want. We need to be compact and just get results to try and stay up. And I don't think the Leeds fans will be putting up for putting up with it for too long if they're getting smashed and getting shredded every which way by every team. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he deals with it, with a newly promoted team and, and their style of play. Um, but yeah, they, Leeds does have history. They do have three league titles. I wrote down um, they were very much a force back in the 60s and 70s. They won a title, 68, 69, and then 73, 74. And they won the last title of the old first division before it became the Premier League. So 91, 92. Um, and then it switched and then became the Premier League. Um, so Leeds got that title. They have an FA Cup back in 71, 72 season, and they did win the League Cup in 68. So like Brett said, they've won. They have at least a history of winning the uh, the domestic treble um, or the trio of trophies. They have some history there. Um, they also have rivalries too. Something to look out, uh, look out for is they seem to have a, a big rivalry with Chelsea. Uh, they don't seem to like each other. A lot of fans, a lot of a lot of fan bases just have it in for Chelsea, which is fine by me. So yeah, I don't know. Did over okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then locally, though, um, they they see, they have this thing with um, a local. Uh, I think it's a Yorkshire uh, 
based uh, rivalries with Bradford City and Huddersfield, which uh, they're in the lower divisions now. But they seem to also have a rivalry, too, with Sheffield. So both Sheffield clubs. So it'll be interesting to see how the Sheffield United fixture goes. Um, Leeds just they, doesn't get along with anyone. Right. Well, they're one of those clubs where it, they're a one they're a one club city, which is respectable. And, and you like to see that. So but that also adds to the fact that it's like so everybody from there is Leeds and nothing else. And so they just have this siege mentality a lot of times. Well, and you know, unlike a lot of clubs that come up to Leeds has a huge fan base and a yeah. huge stadium. So, you yep. know, they're what you might see be a saving grace for Leeds coming up is their home form, assuming supporters ever get back in grounds with COVID. <laughs> right. Yeah, that so could affect do, them. If we do have fans in stadiums, you yeah. might see Leeds' home record be a little bit better than your average promoted side because they have such sure. a big supporter base. It's a tough place to go and podcasts that I've listened to before that had Liverpool fans on there have, have historically said like it is it is uh, no barrel of laughs, as they say, having to go to Elland Road. That's the name of their stadium, uh, Elland Road. And it's no barrel of laughs having to go to Leeds and go there. It's it's very uh, moody. It's, it's, you know, an old school English stadium. And uh, it's not an easy place to go. So, yeah, so not having fans there is certainly um, going to be a disadvantage, I'd say. Mm. And until Leeds is able to bring in those uh, rabid fans, um, you know, it's going to be kind of tough for them because the fans really do whether people, some people just don't buy into that. Uh, but it is a thing. So many players and coaches are like, no, if our home fans are behind us, giving the referee and the other players on the other team a lot of shit. It affects it affects things, and so it is a real thing. So it is going to be a disadvantage until they can fill Ellen Road up, because historically it's it's been a tough place for clubs to have to go and play. Um, and they do have a little bit of European pedigree. I wrote down too, like they have uh, they made the Champions League semis during their their last heyday in two thousand one. They made it all the way to the semis, and then they lost the final. I I I'd forgot. Like I knew this, but when I was doing a little bit of research, I'd forgot. Uh, 75 they made the final against uh, against Bayern Munich and apparently they got totally dicked over by some bad refing decisions that pretty much handed it to Bayern Munich so uh, Leeds you know and, and that was during again in the mid 70s there a string of when English clubs were the powerhouse because um, you had Villa winning well Villa won theirs in the early 80s but you know Liverpool won their first one a couple years later in 77 their first European Cup so that was during the you know when English clubs were really starting to run things and Leeds might have been another English club to get a European Cup under their belt, if not for a dodgy referee. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Well, and, you know, looking forward, like at the, the current Leeds side, so they're coming up to the Premier League as champions of the <laughs> championship, which is the second tier. Yep. Yep. So interestingly, I think like they come up as champions, but compared to West Brom and Fulham, they have fewer players with Premier League experience. Um, so they, you know, wrote youth quite a bit. And then they have some older, more experienced guys that have come over from Europe. So they have like Paulo Hernandez who played at Valencia on um, their keeper. Kiko Casilla is ex Espanol Real Madrid. Yep. So some players with some experience and pedigree, but in terms of Premier League experience, not quite so much. Um, the other thing with them is they're, they had a really great young uh, center back, uh, Ben White this past season, who was on loan from Brighton. So it'll be interesting to see if they can keep hold of him, whether that's extending the loan deal or paying a transfer fee for him, or if Ben White goes back to Brighton, that could really, you know, throw a wrench in Leeds' plans for the upcoming season. That reminds me, that's one of those things that I get asked about since that's a perfect example with the loans 
that's not something that we see in the American right. sports. I know we've touched on it a little bit, but it's going to be a factor, especially with this team, with that player, um, but other players, and you're going to hear about it, you know, all season at different points. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's so individualized. I think for, for the player, you know, there are some loan deals where there's, you know, it's, it's written into the contract where it's a year loan with an option to extend or a year loan with an option to buy. In Ben White's case, he was, you know, a promising young player for Brighton who they sent out to Leeds to get experience. Um, he played really great for Leeds this past season to the extent where his transfer value has now really, really inflated. So I would say in his case, it would be, I would be surprised if Brighton loaned him out again. I think the two options for Brighton that make more sense are to just put him in their first team and let them, you know, make his breakthrough for them or to sell him and cash in on that transfer free. Um, I don't know, Laz, if, if you think like that's, if you see it similar, or maybe you think, you know, it would be an opportunity for Ben White to get Premier League experience with Leeds. Um, I don't think he'd have an issue going back to Leeds, but I think actually, you know, and again, you always take any transfer rumors you see on Twitter and anything else like with yeah. a huge grain of salt. But I did, had the amount of players who would have been on your team, oh, like the, the whole like list as we were talking about one. Oh one God. Days, so. Yeah. I, I, that's why I'm very reserved. Brett knows we have a ongoing um, text group with the, with the Rochester Reds and it's always. Yeah, yeah, Tiago watch now, but like any, with anybody though, I'm always, I tend to be the one where I'm like, yeah, I'm excited, but I'm like, until I see them with the actual Jersey yeah. and it's, and it's official, I'm like, I, I find it hard to get excited because I've been so, let, I've been let down so many times, but with Ben White, I did see that um, apparently Leeds uh, had put in a bid and it was initially rejected by Brighton. So Leeds certainly would love to have him back, but that's the issue. I mean, when you're a smaller club or you're a, you're a down a division and you're trying to get promoted, that is always a tough thing is, uh, you know, a lot of times because of your finances, you can't just buy all the players you want, but you're willing to take a bigger club's young talent to come and get experience. I mean, how many clubs have, you know, been able to move, move up the table just by taking Chelsea players. Cause Chelsea every season have like 40 players on loan. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, and it's like one of those things where, so Ben White got a lot of good experience playing for a really good second division side that got promoted. And of course, Leeds would love to have him because why would you want to have to bet in somebody else? That's a problem too, with taking players on loan is typically, you know, that after one season they're gone. And then you're going to have to either buy or loan somebody else and have to get them acclimated and everything. I mean, so I'm not sure. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I don't know what Brighton's center back uh, situation outside of Lewis Dunk is. Uh, he's being Duffy, his partner there. Okay, right. Yeah, Duffy. Um, but he's getting up there in age. So yeah. I don't, I, I mean, if I was Brighton, I certainly would be looking to be like, all right, man, you're staying here. You're going to be getting a lot of games. Um, he's got to, at the very least, be their number three. And if anything, he's probably yeah. ahead of Shane Duffy. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I haven't seen a lot of, of Ben White, um, but I've heard a lot of good things. And he's certainly a name. He, he made a name for himself, like Brett said last season, and his transfer values definitely shot up. So, I, But I don't know because Brighton managed to stay in and they're doing another season of Premier League football this upcoming season. So I don't know that they're going to be looking to cash in. I'm sure that they'd like to. I mean, unless Ben White behind the scenes is putting up a stink and kind of being like, no, nah, I want to move to a bigger club. I mean, so that wouldn't necessarily be Leeds. I mean, historically Leeds are a bigger club, but I mean, bigger as in, you know, kind of guaranteed top half of the table kind of thing. Right. So I don't know. I mean, that's, well, that's the thing. 
And the other wrinkle is, you know, now that leads have come up, it's not really in Brighton's interest to loan him to a club who's in direct competition for potential like relegation places. Right. Yep. Um, you know, so that would be a move where Brighton would kind of be shooting themselves in the foot if they were loaning one of their best young players to a direct competitor. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's why I would say that if Ben White, my, my prediction for what it's worth would be that if he was going to move, it would be to like a, a I mean, I don't know, not that the, not that he's been linked to him, but like a Tottenham or something, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. or, uh, well, no, I was going to say Southampton, but again, that would be a direct rival with Brighton. Um, yeah. well, you, you would see him wanting to move to like a traditional top six. Yeah. Club. Yeah, exactly. Uh, just, and, and if that doesn't materialize, my money would be on him just staying at Brighton. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think Brighton would like to hold on to him and see what happens there. Cause he's still young. Um, you know, so I don't suppose there's a big rush. And the market is still so weird, even though some transfers have been concluded at this point, the market is really weird. And there's still clubs that are still kind of, and I'm sure Liverpool is one of them. Some of the other big clubs that are still trying to have a feel for the market, not to mention that the transfer window is open until October. Although I know a lot of clubs are going to want to have their business done because it closes what October 5th. And that's almost, uh, that's almost a full month into the season. Yeah. Well, it's going to be three weeks because our, the start date is September 12th. 12th. Yeah. 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 So So um, three weeks later. Right. Yeah. So it's basically three weeks later and it's like, you, you want to bed players in before that. I mean, preseasons are already going on now. You want to conduct your business or conclude your business as fast as you can. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's tough to say. The, the market's kind of all over the place because of COVID. I was going to say, COVID has really messed everything up because we're we're still we we're still seeing a cup being played out that started yeah. over a year ago with qualifying, and then the yeah. qualifying is going on. For next took season, the lead. <laughs> Sorry, <right? laughs> for like next season is is going to be. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of overlapping, and then PL is have already started. Yeah, yeah, which is, but it hasn't concluded yet. So if well, anyone's trying to, if anyone was actually trying to follow along, they'd be like, "Wait, hold on! I thought there was going to be a championship. Like, what's up? What's happening over here?" It's like actually because of COVID, it's this should have ended, and this is you know they're trying to not delay it anymore. So that's what's happening, and of course it impacts. Premier League because we have people who are we have teams that have um, uh, postponements already. So, so yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. how that works. Crazy. <laughs> I um, have it all in my mind, but like if anyone's listening, <laughs> unless they like are looking at something and like a schedule and trying to follow along, it's going to be like what? <laughs> so, yeah, no. You need you need a calc degree to figure out the, the I, pretty the, much. Yeah, right. <laughs> Which is kind of the whole point of me going like, okay, I want to like let people know. Well, who was it? The Rangers was playing in two seasons at once. Yeah, they were still in the Europa League, and their league season had already started. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, they played a couple of. Yeah, they played a, a, like one or two Scottish Premier League games, and yeah. then they, then they had to go back and and play some more Europa League from this past season. So it's just, it's wild. Everything's, everything's nuts. And then other turn like international tournaments getting pushed back and just everything's, I mean, eventually there's going to be another log jam. I mean, you know, the African cup of nations getting pushed back by a year. Okay, great. But then when that comes and then that summer, there's a world cup, you know what I mean? And typically that's what they don't want. They don't want to have a continental cup competition be the same year as a world cup. 
So that's going to be nuts for some players that, you know, players that play for African nations who then qualify for the World Cup also. The, you know, plus your league seasons. I mean, it's going to be crazy. If I remember right, I think the African nations are getting out of that first FIFA window. Okay. I, I could be wrong on that, but I think I read something that like that's you know, and that's something to consider if you're, you know, really like looking at doing any type of uh, fantasy or whatever. You want to yeah. look at, at who is going to be playing for their nation or you know some other some other team other than their actual PL team. So yeah, the fantasy is crazy too. From what I remember, uh, it's been a few years since I played the EPL fantasy, but. Uh, I do remember the frustration of thinking, okay, right, you know, this play, but then you, cause you forget, you're like, oh, sh- oh shit. They, they were just played a couple matches with their, with their, uh, national team. So there's a chance that they might not start the game that, and then you have them in your starting lineup for fantasy when they come back to the Premier League stuff. And you're like, and then you realize they didn't start and you're like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I, had so, <laughs> I had so many, what the fuck moments, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. cause, Cause I realized I, you know, I just forgot to check and, and you're scrambling as the lineups come out. Cause typically lineups come out an hour before kickoff. And it's like that hour, you know, if you forget, or you're, yeah, it's a little frantic. And if you forget or you're busy or something and you just had set your lineup, you set it and forget it. And then you realize too late. You're like, oh, shit. Yeah. So I've uh, I've definitely struggled in the fantasy realm in this sport because of stuff like that, for sure. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I'm definitely we'll have to, we'll have to look at it just because I think things are still kind of moving a bit. Yeah, um, like, so, it, like that gives you some insight too. And like, imagine being an actual manager of one of these clubs because that much oh, of a yeah. headache for us. Yeah. Imagine being a manager who can't pick your best players because you know he's off yeah. playing somewhere halfway around the world. Yeah. A side note: I listened to a podcast with a former player, and he was talking about the nature of like transfer deals and kind of what happens behind the scenes and everything that goes along with it that people don't realize. And he was talking about some of his differences. He was speaking of uh, a manager he played for when he played down the divisions. I think I think at the time they were in the third division when he was with Bradford City and talking about even the difference of or how much extra responsibility and headaches that those managers have because what the bigger clubs and, and clubs that have Premier League money and what they're and have like good training facilities and everything like that don't have to worry about like where they're going to train. He said one of the biggest... He told a, st- a funny story. Sorry, I get a little sidetracked, but I think people oh, laugh. He, he was telling a funny story about one of the biggest things that kind of surprised him was when he went down to Bradford, he turned up for training. And at the time, like Bradford is a smaller club and they don't have like their own, you know, training uh, facility where they specifically own the, the training facility and always train there. So at the time, their manager was having to figure out, like go to rent pitches and fields at like local schools and stuff. And he's like, the one time, uh, he's like the first time I played for Bradford, I, he went on loan and he was there and he's like, he turned up for training and there was a guy because it was like a, a, a public field and there was a guy walking his dog who just all of a sudden he looks over and is just having a shit right in the middle of the field. <laughs> and like the dude guy's picking it up and it's like, well, what is going on here? Like in two minutes, we might be over there. I might have to slide tackle somebody and slide right through the remnants of that. You know, and just you think about like how fortunate it is when you make it to the Premier League, especially for these small clubs, because they can use that money to invest and not have to deal with shit like that. So, and, and just literally, yeah, literally. <laughs> hey, and then well just, done. 
And just the headaches of being a manager in the lower divisions, because not only is it like Brett says, when you have to worry about your players being injured or who's fit, who's not, who might get called up to. I mean, because even sometimes in the lower divisions, you have a young player that gets called up to the national side, whatever. So having to deal with all that and all these side tournaments and cup games and different things. And then on top of that, you have to, if you're manager of a club who doesn't have their own training facilities. And then on top of that, you got to constantly be trying to figure out where are we even going to train? He said, cause that same guy, he was like, uh, you know, there were times when I got a call the night before and they're like, we can't fucking find a, a training pitch. So just turn up to the gym and we're just going to have a workout. We can't even train. Like, it's crazy. That, you know what I mean? that reminds me of a video that came out before COVID it, uh, this season. It was for, well, who else? I mean, it was, you know, for <laughs> LFC. So, but it was, I think it was Virgil because yeah. he's my favorite. <laughs> so I think it was I think it was him that he like they got a letter from a brother who was like, hey, you know, my my brother he had lack, lack of oxygen or something when he was born or something to that effect. And so he was just he's just he needs a little help. Like he's not going to be like on his own or whatever. But he he works at a grocery store and he's like the biggest Reds fan. And they went and like picked him up in the middle of like him putting carts away. And they took him to the training facilities and he got to go around. And like, I was in awe. Right. And that's, that's what I was thinking about. Like just watching that video, not only was it like this feel good video, but you're looking at what they have as a club to train and where they're allowed to go in and, kind of not just relax, it's not just a, a clubhouse, but eat, get their, I mean, it was like their chefs were making them, you know, healthy meals and all of this. Like, it's very nice. Like, it's oh, very, yeah. very nice. Like, that yeah. is so different. A club like that um, versus a club that you said, they're, they're dealing with dog shit in the middle of <laughs> of a rented field or, you know, some kind of reminds me the amount of money that like big time college universities put into their programs. And that sometimes mm -hmm. is the difference between getting a blue chip recruit over another uh, school is just the, the extra. It's like, okay, the player knows you play in a big conference and you're a big time historical uh, program. But then it's like, what are the, what are the extras that you get? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Just in terms of what is the weight room in the training facility? Like what does the practice feels like? What are the locker rooms? Like even just down to that, they invest so much money. Um, I'm speaking in particular to the football programs. Um, but yeah, just Absolutely. some of the, some of the stuff that you see is wild. Like I've seen pictures of like upgraded stuff at the university of Alabama and you know, there's not wow. much to do and there's not much to do in Alabama and stuff. So it's like, they've dumped so much money into, and you just see some of the stuff, even Clemson, you know, like just a lot of these schools that aren't necessarily in like a major city. So they can't use that as a draw. Like, Hey, we're in, you know, whatever, New York city, or we're in, we're near this big city and there's a lot to do. And the, the culture and the nightlife is great. It's, you have to, you know, so some of these Premier league clubs or some of the lower clubs, that's what they're having to do is to make sure they invest in a good training facility and everything. So the players, like you said, don't have to deal with dog shit in the middle of the field. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, kind of interesting about this year's, promoted clubs is that you know because of their pedigree and history they are coming up with these facilities already oh, sure. yeah. i think about bournemouth when they were promoted a few years ago are playing in a in a stadium that holds like 11 or twelve thousand people compared to you know anfield holding 55 old trafford 77 yep. and you know that's what bournemouth did is they invested the premier league money into a new training ground um 
but for bigger clubs like Leeds, West Brom, and to a little bit of a lesser extent, Fulham, with those facilities in place, it frees them up a little bit to spend more money on the playing staff. So, you know, they may come up with a slightly better shot of, you know, a smaller club. Now, Bournemouth did great in the prem for a few years, um, but they were playing catch up. They were building infrastructure that these big clubs already have. There was some criticisms lobbed at Bournemouth too, because they did spend five consecutive seasons up in the Premier League, but they didn't do quite enough. Um, you know, they didn't add any stands or any, anything to the capacity of their small stadium, which I realized it's not not as cut and dry as just doing it. You know, look at all look at all that went into you know finally upgrading Anfield for for uh, example, and then they want to upgrade the Anfield Road stand, but it, again, you have to worry about the. You know, because a lot of these stadiums are right in the middle of the city, so you have to worry about how they're even going to be able to make it happen. Um, so sometimes the infrastructure of the city is a problem. But yeah, I mean, that, typically that's what you want to do if you want to be successful and keep attracting good good talent. Um, you got to have that stuff. Just like we, made, you know, I made the comparison with the the big time football programs in America with college football. So you got to have the side stuff, not just the on the field stuff, and having a good coach. You got to be able to have all these extra amenities to to put you above some of your your closest rivals and your closest peers. This is the thing that I don't hear about a lot with American sports, and I follow it a lot. Like it's not like you talk about somebody saying, "I'm going to go to the Patriots because I like their training facilities more than I like the Seahawks" or something else. Like you don't, I don't hear that. Like sure. maybe I just don't quite listen to enough sports radio, which is. <laughs> which is kind of funny be because be, I do. <laughs> so. yeah. It might be too. I think there's more parity in facilities in American sports franchises. I think there, it's more of a level playing field. Um, Especially at the NFL level. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Yeah. But well, yeah. unless you're the Chargers. I just have to... Um, yeah, to get the digging I'm so, on your other I'm team there. So so bitter. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> anyway. Right, yeah. I hear you. Um, shall we move on? Do you want to do another yes. little profile here? I was gonna yes, maybe talk about let's go Fulham. We already talked yeah. about Leeds. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, Leeds, they're done. Let's Yeah. Oh, I forgot to mention because I wanted to write it down just for people that are just getting into it, because I know Leeds um Actually, you know what? It doesn't even look like I wrote it down. I, the profile I did on Leeds is not as good as the other two, apparently. I must have been in a hurry. <laughs> but they're an old club. For people that don't know, I mean, they they came about, um, I want to say, in 1919. Um, so they're not even quite as old as these uh, these other two that we're going to talk about. Um, but yeah, historically, you know, definitely one of the... Uh, so before we move on from... Yeah. We, before we get off Leeds, like someone's mother last night, anyway. Um <laughs> um if you had to tell somebody something positive like why to be a Leeds fan which is no I'm not gonna do it but why would you if you were telling somebody that they they couldn't be um they had to pick one of the three why would you tell them to be a Leeds fan specifically hmm I think go first Brett yeah (laughs) it can go either way but I would say like the passion of the supporter base is there that doesn't always manifest itself in great ways, (laughs) but, but they have a big passionate uh, fan base. And I also think Bielsa is worth their manager is worth tuning in for fiery guy, interesting guy on the sidelines. Um, 
Yeah. What was that story? Not to cut you off, but like, yeah. just to kind of give somebody who's, who's trying to get stuck in, like, mm-hmm. wasn't it last year? It might've been the season before where his, his uh, staff, I don't think it was him specifically, but it was his staff that was caught like spying on another team's training. On Derby County. On Frank yeah. Lampard's Derby County. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then like, he was just like, yeah, fuck it. Like, of course we did that. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Where, he, he, he just to owned like, it. Yeah. Either deny it or profusely apologize. He's like, yeah. He's like, no, why isn't everyone trying to do this? Right, yeah. He's like, of course, he's like, of course we did. And he's, he's like just, Bill Belichick's lost cousin. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> like almost like the Belichick, just without all the rings and the championships, but like he is yeah. he's almost in that same vein, I guess you could say. Just absolutely Which is hysterical. The sport. Except yeah. he's animated and like where I watch Bill for his like non-reactions, like the things that he should like no, we're just going on to the you know right, yeah. or whatever, and which actually makes me laugh. But it's like the opposite of that. If, the, I would say if you want a football club on a pirate ship, Leeds United is your team. That, that's <laughs> that's about it, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I, I was going to say the same thing. I mean, it's 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 a traditional club with a little bit of, a little bit of European history. I mean, like they don't have a ton of league titles and FA cups and league cups. But they're again, they're a well-supported club with a good, big traditional ground. They're a one-club city, so while some fans, you know, we mentioned the rivalries before, just because they're um, a one-club city doesn't mean that they don't get stuck in and get into, you know, and you know, get into it with other other cities and other fans. Um, sometimes it's a bit boring to root for a London club, which, you know, sorry, Fulham, uh, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's one of those things where if, if somebody's just getting into it and they're looking to, um, have a little bit of history behind the club that they want to cheer for, but is a, a bit of an underdog, um, Leeds just, Leeds just might be the club for you. So, right. so we're gonna, we're gonna move on. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna make that joke again, but we're gonna move on. Um, what's, what's the next one that you want to talk about? and Let's start off with why would you pick them? Um, like, if, why why would you say to someone? Why would you convince them if you were in some sort of debate or, you know? Um, Liz, you want to go in order and do West Brom as they since they finish runners up and then we'll yeah. Home last? Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, we could do that. Uh, yeah, West Bromwich Albion is the next one uh, from West Bromwich. They're uh, they play in a, a stadium with an interesting name, the Hawthorns. Uh, they're an old, old club. They were one of the 12 founding members of the Football League, which started in 1888. But the club was actually founded 10 years earlier in 1878. Um, so before getting into some of their other history and whatnot, if you want to root for West Brom, I mean, they're one of those clubs where it's like they've been kind of up and down for most of my Premier League watching life, which is over 20 years now, they've been up in the top flight. In fact, most of their history, I have it written down, they've already played 81 seasons in their history in the top flight. So this would be number 82. Um, But they were one of the original like OG kind of powerhouses. So if you're looking for a real historical club, well-supported, again, they play in another one of those traditional grounds, almost likening it to like a Villa Park. Mm-hmm. You know, the Hawthorns, is, you know, you look at the design and it's just another one of their typical old school English um, uh, stadiums. Um, I have a little bit of a soft spot for them just because of the gesture that they had, I think it was four years ago for the anniversary or it was, it was right when the inquest happened um, with Hillsborough, when the, when it was officially announced that the fans were, were not responsible for things that transpired that day at the Hillsborough disaster. And what they did at the Hawthorns was 
have 96 seats with all the 96 people who died and they left them empty and they changed because they're traditionally a navy blue and white striped kit as their home kit, but they changed the seats out to red to kind of honor the victims. I thought that was a nice gesture. Um, there's no animosity between Liverpool and West Brom. So I've never really had a, they've just been one of those clubs that's just kind of, eh, whatever, they're not a threat. You know what I mean? So they're not really a threat um, to like the top six clubs, the traditional top six powerhouses, but they're a well-liked and well-supported club. Um, they, like I said, they were kind of one of the more, one of the OG powerhouses because they won a league in 1919, 1920. <laughs> um, they have five FA cups. Um, and they won the first couple in 1888 and 1892. So, and they won the last one in 1968 and then they yeah. won a league cup in 1966. So it's like, they haven't, <laughs> they haven't won much lately, obviously, but, um, since any of us were born. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, but if I, again, I mean, if somebody's just kind of like wants to play the, the real true underdog and doesn't really want to get stuck into one of the bigger clubs and they just want to root for an underdog, West Brom might be it for you. Um, they do. One thing I could say about West Brom that people might, you know, if they're looking to like be a part of and get into a, a real big rivalry, I'll be interested to see the game between them and Wolves because they hate each other. And in some, like a lot of people talk about like Man United Liverpool or Liverpool Everton, the Merseyside Derby or some of the London Derbies as being the fiercest or whatever. But reading up about if people want to look at the Black Country Derby, because there's a section of, of like West Midlands that's, can, that's nicknamed Black Country from the industrial age and the coal mines and stuff like that. So the Black Country Derby between Wolves and West Brom is very heated. And it goes back, they've been playing that since 1888. Um, they're only 11 miles apart, so that's why they can't stand each other. Um, so me personally, I'm kind of looking forward to that. Of course, it's not going to be the same without fans, but if we can get a Derby, if we can get a Black Country Derby, with the fans in the ground, you'll be hearing a lot of vile chants and, you know, some yeah. hatred being thrown back and forth. So if somebody's That's looking to get, stuff. yeah, somebody's looking to get stuck into that kind of thing. Um, again, yeah. look up West Brom and, and see if it's something that might be for you. With the two of you, and I, this is me going back to always trying to, to influence somebody and kind of link their already known ideas of say like American sports with, with PL. When we think of original six with hockey, I always compare that original six concept to, to these teams, like to the, what was it? The original 12? Yeah. There was original 12 found 12 founding members. Yeah. Yeah. 1888. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what I kind of think of, but just, you know, think about it. 1888. Yeah. Well, you know, what Les was saying, like these, I think the selling point, you know, and, as you detailed a lot of the reasons why the selling point for West Brom is tradition. Sure. They've been around forever. Um, this rivalry with wolves and to a lesser extent, Villa too is, is very close yep. by. Big I was going to mention Villa. Yeah. Big, big rivalry there. Yep. Um, so I think West Brom being in the prem is good for the prem because they bring that tradition and they bring a couple of nice, nice rivalries. And, yeah. you know, Birmingham in the Midlands is one of the most populous areas yeah. in England. So it, it's a reflection of, you know, a part of England that cares a lot about football and you see yeah. that passion and, you know, these yeah. derbies and with the West Brown supporters. 
O'Malley, I know you, uh, you get stuck into Peaky Blinders. Mm -hmm. So that was actually, uh, and I knew this from, from knowing stuff about West Brom and some of the clubs from, from West Midlands and from, you know, the black country, but Mm -hmm. I I was watching an episode of that and, uh, they brought some, I don't remember the scene or what exactly was going on, but they brought some reinforcements in from the black country. And I remember thinking, I'm like, where the hell was it? I'm like, where have I heard that? I'm like, oh yeah, duh. Of course it's, of course it's footy. It's weird when you know something, but you're like, why do I know this? And and then you're like, oh my yeah. God. Right. Yeah. Cause There's that's like obviously little tidbits that, right. that is really kind of cool. So if somebody is into say Peaky Blinders and they want to go back and watch it, which I do every time there's a season that comes out, I go back and like, we'll watch the whole thing over again. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm a um, nutso too. I watch a lot of repeat stuff instead of getting stuck into something new. I'm like, well, let me just watch this again because I love it. I know I need to watch the wire again. Like how many years, 10 years or so? 11 over, years over, how, yeah, since it's been done. Yeah. You bet you've been telling me like All right, yeah. <laughs> how many conversations have we had about me watching the wire and you're like, could you please fucking watch this <laughs> just, show just so it. we can talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> I finally did. And then I was like, I love it. And why do people hate season two? <laughs> yeah. I mean, people have strong opinions about certain seasons, but I just I mean, love the whole show. So anyways, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, uh, so yeah. So West Brom come up, so the, they come up as runners up from the championship. So the top two places come up automatically. They didn't have a playoff or anything. So they came up automatically, um, finished pretty close behind leads. I think it was just a couple of points. Yeah. Um, but I was looking through their squad and they have a really experienced, um, little bit older squad with a lot of, you know, guys who have played in the Premier league, maybe not, you know, at the highest levels really, but they have guys with Premier league experience that they have. No, um, it's about that's important. Yeah, they have Charlie Austin that they got from Southampton. Um, Jake Livermore was in the Premier League. Uh, Hale Robson-Kanu, Welsh International, played in the Premier League. And Kieran Gibbs, uh, ex-Arsenal. Yep, ex-Arsenal. Um, so they have they have guys who, are, who have been there before, and I think for a team like them that will probably be scratching and clawing for survival, yeah. that could be a big advantage. The manager, too, because I wrote down uh, they got Slavin Bilic, uh, Croatian oh, yeah, guy. Right. And he played for West Ham and Everton in the 90s. And then he also managed West Ham from 2015 to 2017. So, again, I mean, he didn't have great success because most West Ham teams don't. But uh, he it's not, you know, he's not a complete Premier League virgin, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Like, he know, you know, he knows how to navigate. And I think West Brom will be doing decent. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're just going to come up and immediately be a candidate to just drop down, like kind of like Norwich was this year. Um, yeah, I, I don't think, think you'll West see a team cut adrift like Norwich was. This right. Year. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's always tough for the promoted teams, of course, and we'll have to see what kind of transfer activity they can, they could possibly do. Um, but knowing that they're going to be getting TV money from this upcoming year and so on, um, they should feel comfortable. And, and again, West Brom's a well-supported club, but again, it is tough because you are losing all those gate receipts and, and these smaller clubs rely on that stuff. So it'll be interesting to see how they're going to be able to add. They might have to do a lot of those loan deals we were talking about earlier. Um, and that's what some of these smaller clubs are probably going to have to possibly do more of mm-hmm. is they're only going to be able to really afford somebody's wages and not an entire transfer fee plus wages. So, um, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, and again, I don't begrudge West Brom. I don't have a problem with them. I don't mind them, uh, doing well. Um, you know what, actually there was one thing I wrote down too, if we wanted to mention just to go back to Leeds real quick, cause I was going to mention maybe like the first opening fixtures to see how these clubs might get on to start. Oh, that's a good idea. 
And I know Leeds, Leeds, it was like, I saw a funny meme. Um, I think it was one or a gif where it was like from Kanye West where he's like laughing and all of a sudden he immediately looks pissed off. And somebody had put like a Leeds logo. It might actually, I think it was Sam. I think it was Sam from Barstool, Sam's um, Army. Uh, I, yeah. I think in his profile, he did that where it was like, Leads finally get promoted, and then it's like, and you're at uh, your reward a trip to Anfield, <laughs> and then he just does, the, he does the pissed off face. So yeah, Leeds has Liverpool away. Then we have an immediate relegation six pointer, and that's why I wanted to bring this up is for people that don't really understand that term, and as they start to get stuck into the Premier League, they might hear like, you know, relegation six pointers. What that means is like the point swing that happens and how big of a battle it is, and because there's no playoffs how game one through game 38 always matter. And for two promoted sides coming up when they face each other, that's huge. And right on the second game of the season, Fulham is home to Leeds. So you have two promoted clubs right away because those promoted teams are always going to be fighting, you know, fighting to, you know, stay out of that relegation zone and, and have to go straight back down. So Leeds has a Liverpool away. And then their first home game is Fulham, a team that, you know, is obviously good and, and just got promoted. So, and then they go to Sheffield United, which I mentioned was one of their rivals. So those first three games for Leeds are going to be tough. Um, and for, <laughs> for West Brom, West Brom, it's not much easier. They have Leicester at home and I mean, it's a new season, but if Leicester carry that shit form that they had at the end of the season, um, you know, West Brom might be able to get something from that game at home against Leicester. They have Everton away second. They definitely could get something from that game because Everton is shit. Yep. Um, but, Everton is shit. Oh, so shit. And then, uh, <laughs> but then they have Chelsea at home. So that's going to be tough for, for, for the baggies. That's, that's a nickname that people might pick up on, um, for West Brom, the baggies. Um, so they have Chelsea at home. So that's kind of how it's looking. Um, but West Brown could definitely circle the Everton game to try to get something, get their kickstart their season. If anyone takes anything away from this podcast, it's <laughs> that Everton. Everton. Yeah, and it's not just Liverpool <laughs> fans that'll say that either. I Zah will say it. Any of the Arsenal guys we have on, um, I've collectively we could all agree on that Everton. Yeah, um, like yeah well, of course yeah. we don't like them, but they're shit. Yeah, <laughs> follow them for the comedy of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in fact, when we do cover, because we're going to cover all of the teams, we'll just take like an episode and and highlight. When we get to that, we're just going to, it'll just be like a shit fest. <laughs> it's going to, yeah, it's going to be a little rough. I mean, the only thing that we're going to be able to say nice, just as like a little preview for when we do get to Everton, is that they do have a boss manager. But again, sometimes having a great, in any sport, having a great coach, if he doesn't really have the backing of of the owner's and the players aren't that good, then eh, what are you going to do? <laughs> you can only do so much. If we're being fair, as a Liverpool fan, if I'm being fair to Everton, they do lots of really great stuff in the community. Oh, of course, yeah. Except everything they do on the football pitch. Yeah, well, they have, they are, like everything, them being on Merseyside and everything that we love to talk about the city of Liverpool and everything I've heard about the people there, the, Everton, the Evertonians and, the, you know, the Blue Noses, they are definitely a part of that for sure. Um, but, but on the pitch, I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, it's kind of a shit show, but, um, side, side note, I don't know if people heard me mention a couple of minutes ago, Sevilla did win another yep. Europa league. They beat three, two, three two. two. So yeah, just a little side note for, uh, for the NIT of European competitions, they won another one. They're, yeah. they're nuts. That's like their fourth one in the last six years. But, you know, as far as like big implications of that though, that puts them in pot one of the champions league draw. It does. Uh, I'm not liking pot two. Like, I think it was you that posted yeah. that. That's pot two is looking a little tough. We better get shocked or it's going to be a shit show. I know. <laughs> um, so moving on then to, yeah. to Fulham, I know 
Les, like you, you said you had some stuff on Fulham. Yeah. Why should, why should we root for Fulham? Uh, much in the same vein as West Brom, they don't have as much, uh, tradition per se. Um, but they, you know, it's weird. I didn't actually look up this part. I'm not entirely sure why Fulham wasn't one of the 12 founding members of the, um, football league because they were founded in 1879 and the football league was founded in 1888. So I'm not entirely sure the backstory as to why exactly they weren't a part of that original OG 12. Um, and here's a mouthful. Fulham's actual original name in 1879 when they were founded is St. Andrew's Church Sunday School Football Club. Yeah. Like, holy shit, thank you for changing that to Fulham. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, holy shit. But uh, so they go they go as far back as 1879 and actually is they're one of the many, many London clubs. And they're actually the oldest professional London club playing. So, yeah, I was going to say, I think so they are. if somebody is looking again to get into one of the underdogs, one of the smaller London clubs, such as like Palace, you know, Crystal Palace, um, you have Charlton Athletic who plays a division down. Brentford would have been another one that Fulham actually beat in the playoff final to get promoted. Um, Brentford would have been, they're, they're smaller than Fulham, but they're another like, you know, just outside of London. Another one of these, you know, the traditional powerhouses, of course, are like, you know, Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham. Um, but, you know, they're just another London club. So if somebody's looking for a little bit of an underdog, but they want to root for a London club as an excuse to maybe go see them in London sometime, go for it. They play in one of the really unique looking old school English grounds, Craven Cottage, another unique kind of funny name. Isn't um, that one of their nicknames, the Cottagers? Cottagers, yep, that, something that like is, that. Yeah. Yep, that is their nickname. Uh, the Lily Whites, I think, was another one, which was mm-hmm. not as great. Uh, the I Cottagers. Think they, <laughs> I think they started off amateur. I think even though they were founded, they were yeah, that's amateur or something Sunday to that effect. And, yeah, yeah, or, because they were because right. of the, the original founding, and then they gained not not far after. I mean, we're talking maybe like a decade or so later. I think. But right. Just after the said. football league was founded, I think eventually they kind of got into a proper, like became a proper club. And I right. think that's why they weren't necessarily a part of that original OG 12. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah. I had it written down oldest London club playing professionally. Um, but yeah, but that's the thing is they've been not as successful because like I mentioned at the beginning, this is only going to be their 28th season in the top flight ever. So for, for a club that's so old to only have 28 seasons in the top flight and they don't have any history in terms of trophies. I mean, they've never won the league, never won the FA cup. They did have a, let me see, 1975, they were runners up, which would mean, um, Oh, never mind. I thought Leeds won it in 75, but they won it in 72. Uh, but yeah, so in 75, they were runners up in the FA cup. Um, they did have some recent success under, uh, of all people, Roy Hodgson, um, 10 years ago, he, he led them to the Europa League final, uh, which they lost to Atletico Madrid. Um, so for a club like Fulham to get to a Europa League final was absolutely huge. I was actually, I was rooting for him. I would even though it was Roy Hodgson, I would have loved to, because actually Liverpool ended up hiring Hodgson off the back mm-hmm. of what he did at Fulham. Sure so yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> so uh, they, they, as I mentioned earlier, they did just bounce back. They were relegated at the end of the 18-19 season, and then they spent one season down got to the playoff, beat Brentford in the final, and got themselves back up. Um, 
let's see, they uh, for the American fans, if they're looking for a little bit of that as to get back to as a reason to maybe follow them, they did just sign Anthony Robinson, a young American player. They signed him from Wigan, and they have Tim Ream, who's been around for a while. He's on the roster. So, uh, and they used to have Clint Dempsey and Brian McBride. They were fun to watch. Um, yeah, long history of American players. Yeah, they, they, that's just to name a couple. Yeah, so. Bocanegra um, was there. Yep, yeah, Carlos Bocanegra was there. Yeah, I was going to yeah, say, so, here, here comes a joke of, oh, yeah, but they have no history of winning. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. It's, it's, it's strictly down to the handful of American players. Right, like, exactly. Only the Americans. <laughs> did, um, did Brad Friedel spend any time there? I don't think he did. But, I think it was, uh, oh, you know who it was? Keller. Yeah, it was. It was Casey Keller. Yeah, I knew a goal. I knew a goalkeeper did. Pretty much. If, um, if there's a decent American player, they've gone through Fulham at some point or another. Yeah, which, you know, hey, get stuck in. Yeah, you know, go play know for English club. You know, guys, Americans fans who Fulham are kind of like their second team because they're yeah. usually American playing for the club. Right. Yep. Exactly. So for any, and there's American been a lot of love team. right now yeah. or this this past few months, especially for a certain American player who yeah. won the league, exactly. But as people like to call it, but I don't know. Did we cover that? Oh, I don't the, know if we covered the thing. I was gonna say, did we? Oh, did we explain that? I yeah, about yeah, how they he helped us win. Yeah, yeah. well, the, the, the speaking of that though, I was going to mention about because Fulham's chief rivals are Chelsea because they're both in West London. So the West London derby is, uh, as a matter of fact, um, Stamford Bridge, Chelsea Stadium, and Craven Cottage, Fulham Stadium, are less than two miles apart over in West London. So uh, even though Chelsea is the bigger club and historically uh, more successful, well, especially since the early two thousands. Um, yes. Yeah, so that's the big that's rivalry. Close. That's yeah, close. And, and as close. we're talking about the culture and, you know, if you got into a club and then eventually maybe going over and being able to, to, to watch either, you know, in the stadiums or in a pub, that's very close when you oh, big time. understand the, the pub culture and how yeah. there's going to be like, that's that the mileage alone or kilometers probably yeah. um or it's just that's very close that's not a lot of breathing room no um for fans. It's, it's definitely a different it's it's a lot of a it's it's a big uk thing too because if there's two professional teams in an american city a lot of times they'll just share the stadium um or something that you know what well, i mean like yeah like yeah chargers and rams yeah, well, Clippers and Lakers, yeah. uh, the Jets and Giants football. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it's it's not something that you're going to see a lot of, whereas a lot of these clubs, they can't stand it when they have to share a stadium. I'm still surprised that Lazio and Roma over in Serie A share their home stadium. But although they Roma, hate each other. Yo, they hate each other. The Rome derby is nuts. Um, although Roma, if I remember correctly, Roma's getting their own stadium. But anyways, so, yeah. um, typically that's not something you see in American sports because it's just like, fuck that. Or I mean, it, it typically that's something that you do see in American sports, but the fans will still like have that argument of like, we own this shit that's ours, you know, depending yeah. on who's who's doing better. Um, but quickly, a profile, um, Fulham is managed by Scott Parker, English international. Um, he actually uh, played his last four seasons of his career for Fulham. And so he's a young coach. He's a very young coach. Um, and he came in, I believe it was for Claudio Ranieri. So, uh, yeah, after Ranieri was unable to successfully keep Fulham up at the end of the 18-19 season, Parker came in. They still got relegated, but then obviously he had a successful season down in the championship and got him promoted straight back up. So Parker's another one of those young up-and-coming managers. And, uh, 
you know, he's played all his, his career in England. So I believe he played for Chelsea actually early in his career. And then he played for West Ham and Newcastle. Um, so Parker's a well-respected, you know, uh, midfielder in his career and he's a good up and coming coach. So I don't know. I mean, it's, it's another one of those things where like Brett said a few minutes ago, some people, especially American fans will have a little bit of a soft spot for Fulham and it could be a club that people, again, they were looking for an underdog. They might want to get stuck into. So we'll see. Exactly. (laughs) I think Fulham is going to be really interesting this year too, because they have, when they came up the year prior to this, yeah, they had quite a few, you know, highly regarded players and the consensus on one on them was that they kind of underperformed. Right. And yeah. it's mostly the same players who are coming back up. Yeah. So it'll be interesting again, if that experience of underperforming will, you know, help them be better this time around, or if they'll just kind of make all the same mistakes. I wonder, um, I don't have hardly any experience watching him, but Ryan Sessignon, who I mentioned earlier, who moved to Tottenham, his younger brother is still on, he's on Fulham. Yeah. Well, um, looking, you know, Fulham have some players with quite a bit of prime experience too. So they yep. have Alfie Mawson, a center back who played with Swansea, Tim Ream, who we talked about, American yep. international, um, Tom Kearney, Alexander Mitrovic, um, Serbian striker, you know, really highly regarded striker. Anthony Knockart was with Brighton. Um, so they have guys who have kind of been there and done it. And when they first came up, like I said, they were kind of a trendy pick to maybe finish top half and ended up not yeah. coming near that. Well, they did a Villa only Villa just managed to scrape it and stay right. up, but Fulham got relegated. But yeah, they had a scene kind of similar. We're going to buy all these players for a decent amount of money. And then, and then it didn't work out. So uh, even Ranieri wasn't able to save him and he ended up getting sacked after like only four months on the job. Yeah. So and and like financially Fulham coming back up was huge, huge because they had spent <laughs> a ton of money. Yeah. And we've mentioned on other podcasts where they were very much going to be a club where if they didn't win that playoff, if they didn't end up bouncing straight back up into the Premier league, they were probably, you were probably going to see a fire sale because, the parachute payments, the way to try and help these clubs to not have so to not have being relegated be such a devastating effect. There is a thing in place now with the parachute payments where when a club's relegated, they have two seasons worth of getting a small little sliver of the TV money pie um, that the Premier League gets. You know, it's like, hey, you get relegated, you got two seasons where you're still going to get some TV money, but then after that, you're cut loose, which we've seen as damaged clubs such as Sunderland. For instance, um, even though they had a couple seasons of getting parachute money, the constant mismanagement with the finances and everything, now Sunderland are stuck in in League One, which is the third yeah. division, and uh, you know, and that's a traditionally you know well supported and big club, so it can happen fast. It's it's sad to see, and you feel for the fans and everything. So yeah, for the for the Fulham fans and the people that get stuck in, even though traditionally they don't have any silverware. I mean, I think. I want to say I looked when I was doing a little bit of research, they have a, a one or two, like one of the very old school, low level, like inner city fairs cup or something that they won in the seventies or something like even below the Europa league in terms of prestige. But it was just something where they try to give some of these smaller clubs something to play for and fans a chance to go into Europe and follow their team. Um, but it would have been huge for them if they won that Europa League 10 years ago. That would have been absolutely huge, especially to beat a club like Atletico Madrid. Uh, and they lost an extra time, too, so they were right there. Um, so credit to them. But but they're fans. I mean, again, there's I haven't had any animosity ever with a Fulham fan, so I don't have a problem with them. I don't have a problem with them doing good. I know Liverpool, you know, from a personal standpoint, have traditionally gone there and got some great results. 
Liverpool going down to Craven Cottage is we have no great. problems. No, no, we have <laughs> well, no problems going down there. And I wonder sometimes if that you know kind of hurts Fulham's that everyone kind of sees like I'm like oh they're the nicest London club, right? Yeah, yeah. and like. Maybe if they weren't so nice, they would yeah. stay up more. <laughs> because, because you hear stuff like, you know, when, well, it's not so much now because of that Olympic stadium being just a shit show in the middle of nowhere and there's no atmosphere. But like when West Ham were still at the, the bowling grounds or Upton Park, depending on what you want to call it, it was moody as hell. And people did not like going there. It was in a rather not the greatest part of the city. And you know what I mean? And even Palace, like it's, it's a moody ground where it's, you know, teams have traditionally gone there and struggled a little bit because, you know, it just has this aura about it. Whereas, yeah, Fulham, it's like, eh, you know, we're not intimidated at all by Craven Cottage. Everybody loves going to Fulham. Right. Yeah. Bars, like. yeah. So it's like, you know, you, it's, it's kind of Brett's alluding to there. They almost need to try and figure out a way to be a little bit more snide and mm-hmm. kind of be pricks a little bit to kind of make it not as great because you don't want clubs being like circling that date and being like, oh, that's a guaranteed three points. You know, you yeah. want them to come and be like that, that, sucks like that we don't want to go there again you know what i mean oh so um yeah to to finish up with fulham their opening three fixtures could be a little tough they have arsenal at home which eh, i don't really see arsenal as a great side still i know they got some talent up front but they still have major problems defensively that first game of the season fulham might be able to exploit we'll see um then they have that relegation six pointer straight away at leeds which again, Fulham will have the benefit of not having to deal with Leeds fans. So if there's a better time to get three points or at least get a draw at Ellen road, that's the time to do it for Fulham. And then, uh, and then they have another one that could be considered a relegation six pointer with Villa at home in their third match. So um, outside of the Arsenal one, which they probably will lose, um, they have a chance to get some points on the board straight away. We'll see how Scott Parker lines them up. And they're another club kind of like West Brom where I'm a little interested to see what they might be able to do in the transfer market to try and beef up that team. Probably going to have to try and take some of, you know, the, the bigger clubs, younger players that they're looking to send out on loan. So you might see a couple of those kind of deals being done. We'll see what happens. How much do you think the, it's not a ton of games that are different. And with COVID, I just don't know how this is, you know, and everything just being all crammed in at different times, but you go to the championship and you end up playing more games. Mm -hmm. So not only did you drop and you lose money, but you're grinding it out even longer, you know, for, for more. And then you, you do get the bounce back and then you get obviously money and you play less games. Not, not like you're not playing a lot of games, but you're just playing just what it's 46 46 that's yeah, okay eight yeah fewer games in the right. league. yeah okay. 46 is just fucking crazy by I, the way. that's what i was gonna say yes. Yes. but i think I this Premier league season because it will be so compressed because of covid will feel like a typical championship season so that could well, be an advantage for the clubs coming up yeah a lot of, a lot of transfer that. activity is going to be affected because they have to think you know, even a player that a bigger club might be like, oh, we might send that guy out on loan or we, or it's a fringe player. We might be looking to move on under normal circumstances. They're going to be looking to maybe hang on to him because it's like, we're an injury two away from being screwed in certain positions because there's going to be two games a week. And then you have, there's some international breaks thrown in there. And then for teams that are in Europe, and then you still have the domestic cups. So it's going to be crazy. It's going to be absolutely crazy. And these teams are going to have to beef themselves up the best way they can with limited resources, knowing 
that for the foreseeable future, they're not going to be getting the game day revenue that they would normally expect mm-hmm. to get. So it's going to be tough. And yeah. I, I don't envy being, uh, what do they call it? A sporting director, which is their, that's like their general manager. They call it a sporting director. Uh, I don't envy their job trying to f- figure this shit out. <laughs> yeah. I could be totally wrong on this, but I think what we'll end up seeing this year is a much more compressed league where I would love for this to be the case, but I don't see Liverpool or anybody else running away with it to that extent this year, just because the games are going to be coming so thick and so fast. Yeah. And I think the promoted clubs are going to raise the level of the bottom of the league a little bit. So I think you'll have more instances of lower in the table clubs, taking points off some of the big hitters um, just by virtue of the schedule and the quality of the bottom of the league. That's what I love to see. Cause I'm, I have every confidence that we're not going to be dropping many of those points, but they want to go ahead and take some scalps elsewhere. These new boys could beat city for us. That would be wonderful. That would uh, be, be great. so nice. Speaking of city, would you guys like to say anything about city? Um, <laughs> Brett is like, let me. <laughs> yeah, Brett, take it away, man. Cause I know yeah. you got a couple thoughts on our, uh, our friends in Manchester. Okay. So thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> the, I'll start with a statistic that Manchester city has spent more on defense than the nation of Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> and yet still can't defend. No. So they struggle. I think the, the Leon game was just what we've been seeing in the league all season of them playing really well putting a team under massive pressure. But if that goal doesn't come, they are so prone to, you know, two moments of madness at the back. Yeah. And, you know, teams now know that and are banking on that. So I think for them to have spent the money that they've spent on defenders and not sorted that out, it either means that they are buying the wrong players or that their coaching staff is failing to get these players to be able to defend in any coherent manner. Um, so that's one thing. And the second thing is Bernardo Silva. So <laughs> what a wank. Yeah, like he shows all the twit, the composure on Twitter, um, uh, an eighth grader who's just lost at Fortnite. Yeah. I'd say so, that's yeah, it's accurate. Les, I don't know if you want to take, uh, you know, provide the background of some of where Bernardo Silva is coming from here. Just, you know, the guy's an asshole. I mean, it's like, you know, he has no, he, sorry, kid, kid in the room. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, he just, you know, I think Bernardo Silva, Bernardo Silva wasn't necessarily from like uh, people hating him in particular Liverpool fans standpoint. It, nobody, he wasn't really on the radar. It was just, he's just another high profile, high pro, high priced, but talented city player and, and was very crucial in them winning the title last year and the trophies that they won. Didn't have as good of a season this year. And then he pouts, much like you alluded to, like a eighth grader that just lost at Fortnite when every club was required to give us a guard of honor at the end of the season. Even if he didn't want to, and you could tell that there were several other city players and, and staff that didn't want to bother to have to deal with that, but you just have to, you just have to own it. You know, you weren't the champions. Liverpool was, and that's part of the tradition in that sport in that country is giving a guard of honor. You clap them onto the pitch and show respect. 
he didn't even clap. And then it, not only did he not clap, but the Liverpool players hadn't even completely walked onto the pitch yet. And he just got off. So it's already like, all right, dude, you know what I mean? Like, come on. Like, you're just a, you're just being a jerk off. And then, and then he starts mouthing off on Twitter because Liverpool fans were, you know, giving it the big one when they got ousted by Leon. not to mention that he was part of that same group of players last year that were singing vile songs about, you know, uh, getting battered in the streets and alluding to a Liverpool fan who ended up in a coma after being attacked by a Roma fan a couple seasons ago. And they're just having a big laugh about it and acting like it's not a big deal. Um, and then backtracking and trying to say, well, that wasn't what we were singing about. You know, it's just the whole thing just leaves a dirty taste in your mouth. So for him to start mouthing off on Twitter like he has been the last couple of days and telling Liverpool fans what they should or shouldn't be doing um, is kind of it's kind of wild, actually. I mean, you just got to keep your mouth shut and just own it. You know what I mean? What does he expect when you play for a club like that that just got done getting off for what everyone pretty much with half a brain knows that they were cheating and they got away with it again? I'm still and, shaking my head over that, right. by the way. I'm literally still like, yeah, I cannot just, believe it. Essentially, it was statute of limitations is why they got the, off. On exactly. That. They got off on a technicality and they're puffing their chests out like they got one over on everybody, which they did on a technicality. So it's like it's not that you were innocent. You could just got off on a technicality mm-hmm. because your high priced lawyers were able to delay everything because they knew that that would be the outcome. So let's, you know, but their fans are acting. It's not just him. It's them and their idiotic fans that are just acting like, you know, oh, we did nothing wrong. See, you know, what I mean, it's like, yeah, OK. Yeah, well, whatever I, you like, say. It's worth saying, like, it is a bit weird to, you know, like, for people on Twitter that may have been directly tweeting at Bernardo Silva and, you know, giving him beans because they went out of the team. It's like, that's a little immature. I get that. Sure. And it's also important to say footballers are people with feelings. Yep. But. For he him wasn't the react. only one, though. He yeah. wasn't the only one. It's not like everybody was like, just attack Bernardo Silva. It was right. the whole team. So it's like, well, he's the only one bitching about it. And I think for him to react like that, just the, like, if I'm his coach and seeing that mentality out of him, that he's that rattled yeah. by other club supporters on the internet, I, I don't know. I think you got a job yeah. like getting his head right in preseason because he's clearly not, not taking but, it but is pep, pep the man for that job because he clearly loses his shit over everything oh, I too i so. don't think so pep is not the guy that i think of of getting their his players mindset like i think he's he's done well with them obviously they've been successful but this maturity thing i just yeah. don't see like i see klopp as being that guy and i'm not trying to be biased but seriously i do see klopp as that type of guy well, and I think Pep is the kind of manager who his teams will hit heights that Klopp's teams will never hit. When things are going well, City are absolutely unplayable. They're, they're unbelievable to watch. They play some amazing football. But as soon as things get a little rocky, like they've shown that they have a little bit of a soft underbelly. And I think that's, that's the mentality that's reflected in Bernardo Silva getting so upset about you know, some probably teenagers on the internet. You know, who's also mentality. I mean, not anything to do with social media, but they need to start trying to figure out what's up with their keeper. He's just been making some stupid decisions. Quietly, Ederson has been crap for a long time. Yeah. You know, I mean, I know Allison's made a couple of errors, but you can tell that it doesn't rattle him at all. Yeah. And he's got the skill and the talent to 
you know, overcome that and have confidence in himself. And clearly Ederson is confident in his abilities, but he keeps fucking up and then it snowballs. Well, and I wonder too, like, is our Ederson's mistakes, him trying to conform to the way that Pep wants him to play and trying to oversell like this, you know, I want to play out from the back. I want to play with my feet. And most of his mistakes come, come when he's trying to do that way too aggressively. So I wonder if that's either Ederson misinterpreting what Pep is saying or Pep just drilling into him to be that aggressive and it, you know, and it not really working. Right. He keeps fulfilling. Sorry, he keeps fulfilling that meme that people make fun of city. Cause how many times has a city um, knobhead on Twitter or something put up a picture of Ederson and be like, he walks into Liverpool's midfield or he walks into anybody's midfield. But I love the Liverpool one because then the response is always, yeah, he did. And then solid chipped him from 40, oh, yards. Wow, 40 yards. Yeah. And then so did uh, Che Adams uh, from yeah. Southampton and that Leon player ca- catching him out when he keeps getting himself out, out of position. He's just way too aggressive. He's like, he's like an NHL goaltender that needs to be sat down and be like, look, I like you being aggressive, but when you keep flying out of your crease, you're getting, you're leaving the goal wide open constantly. Can and we talk about the Bruins? I mean, I think, <laughs> thank God they won. Okay. Yeah, Let's yeah, just yeah, say yeah. that. But like, I had an absolute meltdown. Okay. We're <laughs> fine. I'm fine. They were, they were okay. They, they got yeah. it. But they, that, they did their work without pasta. Yeah. I'm happy. <laughs> oh my God. That one, though. Brett, you're, Brett, you're a Sabres fan, though, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, long suffering Sabres fan. Yeah, no, that's fine. I'm not going to get stuck into you. I usually break Neil's balls about him being a Sabres fan. Sabres fans do that for you. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) They do. Um, so yeah, do we have anything else? I was going to say the one thing that, um, the one thing that I wanted to add with the goalkeeper is we've seen one get rattled to a point that he like never recovered, but he was so distraught with himself that he could like he just never was okay yeah. like ever again Yeah, and i wonder with ederson so like obviously we're talking about loris carius in that moment in the champions league final where he essentially throws two in the net yeah and i mean he wonder, was he was so upset he was yeah. like i i, I still have those ederson, moments where i'm no, like if it's like with ederson, ederson if it's like death by a thousand cuts like he's making these all these errors that aren't quite as high profile but like if I'm a, if I'm a city center back, I'm not super confident in Ederson. And if I'm Ederson, I'm not super confident myself. Right. He's had to deal with the likes of Stones and Otamendi, um, and then even Fernandinho. I know he could do a job against like some of the lesser clubs, but any time that City plays somebody that has the balls to go after them a little bit, um, Fernandinho's getting caught out. You know what I mean? They're they're a mess at the back and he could spend, Pep can spend all the money he wants, but there's some serious issues there. I mean, obviously going forward in their midfield is boss and there's no denying that. But when you're weak at the back, I mean, I mean, I know it's different levels and different players in a different team and completely different situation, but Arsenal's got similar problems. You know what I mean? They have a keeper that isn't quite as good as they thought Mm -hmm. and a shit defense but they have a good midfield and, and good forwards. So, it, you know, for City and the money that they have to have these kind of problems, that's kind of a, it's a detriment, you know what I mean? It's, and again, they fail in Europe. So who knows, you know, what kind of conversations are going on with their owners who clearly want to win the Champions League. Like Pep can win all the domestic trophies he wants, but until they win that Champions League, 
they're not going to be happy and he's probably not going to be around for much longer. Not that I would hate that because who, really, who are they going to get that's better though at this point? Am I right saying that this is Pep's last year in his contract? I think so. And there was already grumblings coming on about him possibly leaving, um, which apparently had been shot down and that was a little, uh, you know, premature, but you know, it's, you know, there's little grumblings coming out to maybe some of the city players like he's had at every other club he's been at where the players start to not really be buying into his just, you know, the way he runs things. And he's so, I mean, because one of the things that people laugh about and they make that comparison of like, because obviously the two, the two hot names in, in, in the managerial world are obviously Klopp and Guardiola, but the comparison is made is like, seems to be pretty fun playing for Klopp. Like he obviously has high expectations and he chased Sacco out of there, you know, during his first year for, for not following the rules. Like he runs he can, into the ground. Yeah. And he can, and he runs his players into the ground and, and it's a very tough system to get, which is why it takes new players a while to bet in and so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, you know, once you become one of his guys and you get his system and he starts trusting you, it seems like everybody, even the players that don't get to play a lot, love training they love playing for him they'll run through a brick wall for the guy whereas pep it's almost like seems like everybody's walking on eggshells and they could be blasting fucking burton albion five nil and he's still chirping in their ear about one misplaced pass and it's just like and and a lot of a lot of people accuse him of being you know doing that on the pitch rather than in the locker room is like for show and i just i could see how his shtick gets old like if i'm a boss player like kev de bruyne for example and I'm at the point in the career where I'm just like, can I be fucking bothered dealing with this anymore? Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, yeah, of course the players at that club get paid handsomely. And that's why probably some of them are willing to put up with a little bit more, but you gotta be thinking like, man, it can't be half as fun as it is playing for somebody like Klopp and, you know, a few other managers that, you know, it just, it's, you know, cause like Pep reminds me to, or like, you know, there's certain managers like, um, Antonio Conte, for example, where it's like they seem so militant and set in their ways. It just doesn't seem fun to play for them. So that's why those managers don't stick around for too long in one spot because people just get sick of their shit. Whereas Klopp, it's like everywhere he's been, he spent at least seven years. He's going to be spending more than that with Liverpool. So it's like, yeah. you know, there's the difference. You know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine it's much fun other than collecting that fat ass paycheck to play for Manchester City. Not to mention their fan base and the fan, you know, we can get into that. You know, yeah, they get you get you can get your digs in all over the place, and it's just like I, I don't know. I you know, I just I get a bad taste in my mouth all over the place with that. And club. I guess to to bring it around, like you know, Bernardo Silva's tweets and reactions to me is endemic of a place that's not having a ton of fun. Right, that's what I'm saying. It's just, and you would never, I just don't ever see that. No, because Liverpool, Liverpool players aren't immune to that. And other players, Man United players get a ton of shit because they've, because of all their success in the nineties and their, their cocky, arrogant fans and, and some of their players and the way they carried themselves, Man United players these days with social media get a lot of shit. Look at Harry Maguire. Mm-hmm. He's not doing his club and his, and his fans any favors with the shit that he just got into in Greece. <laughs> so it's like, so, but you don't see them mouthing off like Bernardo Silva was, you know, and then he did it again. So it was like, you saw a bunch of fans, especially Liverpool fans. Cause of course that's who he was trying to get a dig on. They're like, nobody took his phone away from him. Like he, he, yeah. he did the first tweet and then he comes back the next day with another one. And it's well, like, thing too, um, Emmerich, uh, Laporte retweeted yeah. it. Who yeah. is their one decent defender. Right. Yeah, exactly. The one <laughs> Virgil they, would never. Right. Can I just I mean. say? Yeah. <laughs> 
and they take all kinds of shit. That's why when Virgil scored against Man United last year and he gave that snide little look to the Man United uh, supporters there in Anfield, you know, because it's like he gets a lot of shit. He at Aston Villa too. When yeah. uh, when we we scored the late goal and and you could see on the replay that Virgil was like giving it the big one to the Villa supporters, they were singing and chanting some shit, and then to do them late with the two goals, so you could tell it's like they're obviously, you know, they're they're aware of of the abuse that they're getting, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. there's certain lines you don't cross. But like, you know, like the Villa fans were saying stuff like you're just a shit Tyrone Mings and stuff like it's kind of fun. And, but, you know, but then he gives it back, but he does mm-hmm. it in a way where it's not crying on fucking Twitter about it. Right. It's, 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 we just scored a late winner. They really do. They do the talking on the pitch. Yeah. They, um, Simple they as that. kind of do some things. Uh, Sala had that. Oh, what? I'm so bad with games <laughs> and stats that there was that one where he he just shut everybody up like just by being like peaceful on the side after oh, he just against Chelsea. Yes. against Chelsea it was so good it was like it almost reminds me of the which is why I kind of wanted it to be a part of our um our logo because it's kind of joking because it has oh, nothing to do with the, the PL yeah, and still drinking the tea, tea. Yeah. and of course it's an American team and has and it's a a women's team it has nothing to do with the pl and it's kind of the whole joke with plastic wounds being like fake fans like we don't even know what this is so it's kind of like that but i wanted that in there because i love those moments where you're just like you have that quiet day just like just put your (laughs) finger up to you know like hush (laughs) hush children well that's me i like go ahead yeah well the solid one was especially satisfying because it was like, like a response to like, like horrific racial abuse that he had taken earlier in the yeah. week yep. um and for exactly. him to respond in a way that was just so like such a calm and measured yes but clear fuck you clear, oh, yeah. but yeah classy it was clear yep. but classy and it was a definite fuck you. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I liken it to um back um way back in the I think it was the 0809 season when Liverpool and United were going back and forth and Liverpool destroyed United at Old Trafford. And it was back back then it was up the big five that Fernando Torres held up after he scored to, you know, just get that dig in on that United end because they're always, you know, chanting shit and whatever. And just to show up the five, just to shut them up to say, We got more European cups than you, like what about it? You know what I mean? Just yeah, it's a good one. All right, um, guys. Yeah, so, I'm ready. My butt's falling asleep. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brent, and I thank you for coming up. on, buddy. I'm so excited. Oh, yeah, no, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, guys. That's right. I actually totally forgot that you said that you were nauseous to begin this whole podcast. So, <laughs> like, the in, whole time. I well, it was a hero's finish. performance. Yeah, it was a hero's <laughs> performance. Jordan flu game. Yeah, the Jordan <laughs> flu game. <laughs> I like the whole time. I'm like, what was that game? Something happened. It was really cool. Guys, fill it in for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Yeah, this has been fun. We'll, uh, we'll definitely be getting stuck yeah. into some more of the clubs, but we wanted to touch on the newly promoted teams just to yeah. get started. And then we'll be doing some, uh, some what's what and what's going on for the upcoming season for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Cheers. All right, Brett. Cheers. Thank you guys. Right, we'll Bye. see you, buddy. Yep.